Uh, do you see these three children on the screen? If you had to guess what is causing their reactions. Uh, well, how about this? Uh, the boy with his hands over his eyes said something silly. And he said it in Sunday school. Now, the boy with his hand over his mouth, he laughed, but he was shocked that it was said in church. Uh, the girl with her hands over her ears uh, thought it was funny, but she was afraid he was going to say it again. So she has her hands over her ears, hoping, don't say it again. And the original boy is so embarrassed over what he said, he's trying to hide by covering up his eyes. Is that really what happened? No. But I think I know kids pretty well, and that's about as good a bet as any. Now, there's somebody else who knew kids very, very well, and that is Jesus. In fact, Jesus placed a very high priority on the relationship of children to himself. One of his greatest invitations was given to children, and one of his greatest rebukes was to those who hindered the children. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Mark chapter 10, and we are continuing our series in the Gospel of Mark, Living in the Shadow of the Cross. And I want you to look with me if I, as I read verses 13 and 14. In the Pew Bible in front of you, you can find the New Testament, the second book, turn to chapter 10. And notice with me verses 13 and 14. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And he said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. What is interesting here is that Jesus' response was very sharp and very quick. Some translations put the word and in between the two statements, but in the original text there is no and. So the words of Jesus have a staccato effect. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. Jesus was hot. He was greatly displeased with the disciples, and he knew something about kids that makes all the difference in the world as to how we minister to them. This morning, as we continue in Mark chapter 10, we are coming to a message that I'm simply entitling, Jesus Teaching About Children. And we have to set this in context, as Jesus has been teaching in Mark 10. In the first 12 verses, he is talking about the importance of marriage. It shouldn't surprise us, then, that the next subject that comes is the importance of family. And Jesus' point that he's driving home is this, that discipleship is not lived out independent of the family, but it is lived in the context of the family. And that's very important. 
And so Jesus today will teach us about children. Let's take a moment and bow in prayer together. Lord God, we come to you today and we thank you for making us members of the family of God. And Lord, over these last several weeks, I have been perhaps as grateful for the family of God as I ever have been. But we understand also that the family of God is made up of individual families, moms and dads and boys and girls. And we thank you, Lord, that as we live out our faith in our church and in our community and in our families, you are able to do something very special in the lives of our children. And so today, as we all go through this message with Jesus, as we think of our children, our grandchildren, those who are near to you and those who are far to you, far from you, we, we thank you that you are able to use us to work in their lives. And we pray that you would do that for the great honor and glory of our Savior Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Let's look at what Jesus teaches us about children, shall we? First of all, the thing that our Lord wants us to understand is that children have spiritual aptitudes. After rebuking the disciples, he says... For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Now what Jesus is doing is giving a reason why he wanted the children to come to him. And the meaning of this little adjective such is crucial to understand what Jesus means. If you were to look up this word in a Greek dictionary, you would discover this, that such is referring to persons with a special characteristic or a definite quality. So that Jesus is telling us that people who enter God's kingdom must have the quality that kids do. Now often, don't we think the opposite? We think that kids must become like adults. But Jesus is saying to us that the opposite is true. In fact, read with me this statement that he made in Matthew 18.3. Read it together with me and notice what he said. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so what Jesus is saying, the point is very clear, is that children have the necessary spiritual aptitude to be saved. Now, not all are. We know that. But they can be. The great pastor and Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon learned this firsthand. He once preached a sermon entitled, Christ and the Children. And I want to listen to what he said. He said, I will say broadly that I have more confidence in the spiritual life of the children that I've received into this church 
than I have in the spiritual condition of the adults thus received. I will even go further than that and say that I have usually found a clearer knowledge of the gospel and a warmer love to Christ in the child converts than in the adult converts. I will even astonish you still more by saying that I have sometimes met with a deeper spiritual experience in children of 10 and 12 than I have in certain persons of 50 and 60. As I read those words again, I thought of Charles Spurgeon, who the pastor of Bethel Baptist Church. He would say the same thing about many of the children in this congregation. Children have spiritual aptitudes. Now, The second thing that Jesus teaches us is that children can possess salvation. When Jesus says here, for to such belongs the kingdom of God, When he talks about the kingdom of God, he primarily has two thoughts in mind. Number one, Jesus is talking about God's future kingdom. That is Jesus' physical rule here on earth. But the second thing that's clearly involved is God's present kingdom. That is Jesus' spiritual rule in hearts. You see, the Bible teaches us that the kingdom of God has a spiritual form as well as a physical form when Jesus comes again. And that refers to the rule of Christ in the hearts of those who know him as Lord and Savior. Now, I want you to notice as you drop down to verse 15, Jesus very clearly distinguished these two forms of the kingdom. He said, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Notice how Jesus mentions receiving the kingdom. And then secondly, he mentions entering the kingdom. That change in words, it's not by accident. It is very, very significant. You receive the kingdom spiritually when you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you enter the kingdom physically when Jesus comes again and sets it up. And by the way, he will come again, won't he? Yes, he will. And so to enter the kingdom physically, you must first enter it spiritually. Remember how Jesus said this in John chapter 3? Unless a man or woman be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so what Jesus is saying is the key to entering the kingdom physically someday is to be born again spiritually now. And you say to me, Pastor Brian, well, what does all this have to do with children? Well, I want you to notice Jesus' skillful application. There are three conclusions here about children, and those conclusions follow logically one from the other. So if the first is true, the second is true, and if the second is true, the third is true. Here's those conclusions. Children can possess God's future physical kingdom. They can enter it in the hereafter. 
You'll notice that Jesus said, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. The little preposition to there, that's what we need to see. Grammatically, it has the function of possession. So that what Jesus is saying is that people who have the quality that kids have can one day possess the future kingdom. If you are reading this morning in the New International Version, it brings it out so clearly, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So if receiving spiritually is the key to entering the kingdom physically, then conclusion number two, children can also possess God's present spiritual kingdom. They can receive it now. And that leads to the third conclusion, children can possess salvation. They can be born again. I learned this firsthand when I was a youth pastor with two sisters who were a part of my youth group. Uh, The older sister was named Christy, and the younger girl was named Laura. They came from a completely unchurched family. Uh, There was a, a young girl growing up in our church named Nancy, and she was friends with Laura. And we were having a vacation Bible school. Nancy invited Laura, who was just a girl, to come to that VBS. And Laura heard about Jesus in a way that she had never heard about him before. In her simple childlike faith, she received Christ as her Savior, and her life was transformed. She continued to come to church with her friend Nancy. Several years later, as she and her sister got a little older, uh, one day her sister came down with food poisoning. And in her childlike thinking, she thought, I might die. And she didn't know where she was going. And she was afraid of what comes next if I die. You know what Laura did? Laura told Christy about Jesus. And Christy, who was afraid to die, trusted Christ as her Lord and Savior. And those two sisters began to come to my youth group. And as a young youth pastor in my early 20s, I began to watch them grow in their faith. They grew and grew and grew. You know what Christy ultimately did? She became a missionary to Germany, ministering to children with Child Evangelism Fellowship. Both girls, when they grew to adulthood, married Christian men, both named Martin. One from Germany, not Martin Luther, and one from America. And today, as Christian women and Christian families, both are serving God in Christian churches. And it all began when Nancy invited Laura 
to VBS. See what Jesus is teaching? Children can possess salvation. Notice thirdly, children can express saving faith. Now in verse 15, Jesus says truly, and you know whenever he says truly, he is saying, mark this down, you can count on this, it is absolutely true. I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms, and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. Now, the meaning of verse 15 is very, very important. There is a word that is missing from the verse, and when a word is missing from a verse of Scripture, we call that an ellipsis. An ellipsis is a grammatical term that means a word is so obvious that it is omitted without harming the meaning. So that we read the verse or we read a statement and the word is so assumed that we instinctively place it there without even thinking. Let's do that in verse 15. After the word does, after the word little child, the word does should be added. If you ever read the Amplified Bible, it adds the word so that we get the meaning crystal clear. Let me read for you the Amplified Bible. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God... As a little child, what? Does. Does. Shall not enter it. That's the missing word. And all of us, as we read the verse, we add it instinctively because we know what Jesus is saying. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child does, shall not enter it. Do you know what the issue is here? The issue is receptivity. Children are receptive. What Jesus is doing is comparing children with adults, and he is saying we must receive him with a receptive heart. Um, From day one, kids are constantly asking adults to do things for them. Mommy, Daddy, tie my shoes. Give me a drink. Can I have a piece of candy? And they are willing to receive what they cannot do for themselves. Do you know? That's exactly where many adults stumble. You see, salvation cannot be earned or deserved. It must be received as a gift by helpless sinners. And what a contrast often between many children and adults. We adults were independent, but children are dependent. We are self-sufficient, but children are helpless. We are proud, 
But children many times are humble. And due to a false sense of self-respect, many adults will not humble themselves and come to Jesus. But kids know how helpless they are, and therefore they are often eager to receive what Jesus gives. By the way, can I ask you a question? What is saving faith? Isn't saving faith knowing our helplessness? And depending on Christ alone to save? Isn't that what it is? What is saving faith? It is knowing our helplessness and depending upon Christ alone to save. Children can express saving faith. Now this morning, because all of this is so very, very critical, and you can see how Jesus ties together marriage and what he said about that, and now the family and what he said about that, it is very important that we draw a number of conclusions here this morning. And so what I want to do is move from what Jesus teaches us to some practical conclusions from Jesus' teaching. By the way, as I share these with you, just let me say to you that I grew up in a church that was very much like Bethel, and I had many spiritual fathers and many spiritual mothers. And so as we just passed Mother's Day, I can think of very, very many women who ministered to me spiritually. There were very, very many men who uh, I grew up under in my church who ministered to me spiritually. And what I discovered is some of the things that my own parents lacked, as good as they were, uh, the men and women of our church had, because they served me, God had a great impact in my life. And so all of us this morning, are involved in these conclusions, whether in our own families or whether in the families in our church. And I would pray that as a result of our message today, that Becky would be overwhelmed with all the volunteers that are saying, sign me up, I want to find that little Laura. I want to find that little Christy. So let's look at them, shall we? Number one. Prioritize as of first importance our kids' Christian education at home and at church. We just cannot stress this enough. The more our kids see this priority in our lives and in their lives, the greater the chances they will love Jesus. I grew up uh, playing Pop Warner football, and I played football in the Pop Warner system for five years. If you would see a picture of me in my uh, football uniform, you would know why I had no future career in football. But do you know, I had to skip practice every single Wednesday night. I was the only kid in the entire East Muskegon football club who did not practice on Wednesday night. And I knew there was no use protesting. My parents said to me, 
you can go every other night, but on Wednesday night, we go to church, you go to Boys Brigade, and that's what we will do. Well, I want to tell you today, I'm very grateful that I can catch and throw a football. I enjoy that very much. But I want to tell you that doesn't compare to what Boys Brigade and Youth Group did for me. It doesn't come close. Last week I went and put flowers on my parents' grave. And as I stood there at their gravestones, I'm very grateful for parents who said, football is second. Christian education is first. And that cannot be stressed enough. I had a happy childhood doing all the things that everybody else does. But this was a priority. Secondly, present the gospel fully to your children. Ask ten kids if they want to go to heaven, how many will say yes? Ten. Except the child who says, are you planning to go now? They might say no. But you ask ten kids if they want to go to heaven, all ten will say yes. If you ask them to ask Jesus into their heart, all ten will say, okay. Do you know that's a woefully inadequate view? Salvation is far more than a free trip to heaven. Far more. And we must know that we have sinned against a holy God, that we are under judgment. We must understand that Christ paid the price. We must want to be forgiven and want to have a personal relationship with God. And we must depend upon Christ alone. We need conviction of sin an understanding of the cross, and an inner desire to be right with God. And here's my rule of thumb. If a child can't explain those things, that child is not ready to make a decision. And so we have to fully explain the gospel. Number three, do not press children to receive Christ or to get baptized until they are ready. Kids often want to please adults. And they will go through the motions for adults. I'll never forget, as long as I live, a, a man in our church who one day in a church service heard the gospel and as the Holy Spirit brought it home to his life, he realized that he was unconverted. And he was wonderfully converted and those of us who had watched him in in church for many years realized that God had changed his life. You know what was so interesting about that? He was a church member. He had been baptized. 
And he even served on boards in our church. But he was unconverted. And as he looked back into his childhood, what he realized was he got baptized and joined the church because he felt it's what his family wanted him to do. But it wasn't until he was an adult that he really responded to Christ in truth. What I learned from this is this. Kids are susceptible to high-pressure methods of evangelism. Let me say that again. Kids are susceptible to high-pressure methods of evangelism, and we must protect our children from those methods. Number four. Help our children who are ready to trust Christ and to teach them that it also means following Him. How did we know that a real work of grace had occurred in the two sisters, Christy and Laura? It's because they continued to follow Him. This was not a temporary thing that happened in their lives, but it was a real transformation. I would go over to their homes and and visit their family, and their father was as secular and as uninterested in spiritual things as anyone could be. And yet these two girls came to Christ and continued following Him. They were ready and they understood. There's a wonderful Bible teacher who's now with the Lord. His name is William MacDonald. He wrote the Believer's Bible Commentary. He was a wonderful teacher of God's Word. I want you to notice what he had to say. He said, No one knows the age of the youngest person in hell. Have you ever thought about that? What is the age of the youngest person in hell? We do not know. God has not revealed that to us. For one child, the age of accountability may be different than another, but we don't know the answer to that question. So here's what William MacDonald said. So if a child truly wishes to be saved, he or she should not be told he or she is too young. Children who wish to confess their faith in the Lord Jesus should be encouraged, not held back. And Jesus would say, that's the point I'm trying to drive home. He took them up in his arms and blessed them 
laying his hands upon them. May we in all of our work, in all of our prayers, in all of our efforts, do the very same thing. Let's pray together. Father, as we are preparing for Vacation Bible School, I'm very grateful that this message has come at this time. Thank you for Becky Nelson and her vision and her leadership and her love. Thank you for all the many volunteers that make the children's ministries here at Bethel thrive and be so fruitful. And Lord, we thank you for this reminder of our Savior that discipleship is not lived out independently of our marriages, but in the context of marriage. And discipleship is not lived out independently of our children, but in the context of our families. And we pray, Lord, today for our young people, our children, our grandchildren, those who are near to you and doing well, and those who are far from you, and not doing well. We thank you that until the day that you take us home, and even beyond that, our witness, our testimony, our prayers, our efforts, can be blessed by the living God. And we're thankful for what we sang today, that Jesus loves even me. And those are some of the very first songs that we've ever learned and are precious to us. Drive that home in the lives of our children and continue, Father, to give us a great love and desire and willingness to make whatever sacrifices are necessary that we might bring the love and saving grace of Christ to their lives. So we just renew our dedication as a church and as individual families. For Jesus' great sake we pray. Amen.